Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handicapper Podcast. The PH Pod is where public handicappers and special guests handicap the biggest stakes of the weekend. This is show number 47, January 10th, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. How's it going, Chris? It's going great, although... It is a bit of a lull right now, sort of the post-holiday hangover, and the racing isn't exactly, you know, top-notch right now. Um, I think things are gearing up for Pegasus weekend, I think, will be the next big weekend. So, you know, just sort of kicking back and taking it easy this weekend. Yep, not too heavy betting, although I may get myself in a lather over one of the races. Are we going to pound the table today? Uh, I'm not going to pound the table, but I'm going to gently tap on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, so we have five races today. We're going to do Aqueduct's stakes race, the two stakes from Gulfstream and the two stakes from Santa Anita all on Saturday, January 11th. We'll start with the eighth race at Aqueduct. It's the Save Florida Sandy Stakes, seven furlongs on the dirt, purse of 100000 for four-year-olds and up. Chris, what did you think here? Well, this race has a small field, but I think there's quite a few contenders. It did look like, from a pace standpoint, there was not a lot of early speed in here. So I started by looking at who I thought was the logical horse to get the lead. And to me, that would be this, the six-horse Arthur's Hope. Um, and not only that, He's run some fast races in the past, and he looks like the horse that has really buried good form in that his last two have not looked really good on paper, but uh, two back, he was off a layoff running in the slop, which um, he clearly didn't like, and his previous sloppy track race uh, prior to that wasn't very good either. Um, And then his next out, uh, he ended up catching uh, a, ra- a race where he chased a really hot pace and he was down on the inside part of the track, which is where he didn't want to be. So I think that race was actually much better than it looked. And now he comes in third off a layoff with excuses in his last two in a race where the shape of the race should really play in his favor. And he drew a nice outside post. He's got a, a rider who's a, you know, a, a send type rider in Carmooch. So I think everything points to this horse getting the lead in a race where being on the lead is probably where you want to be. And he's a race, a horse that looks like from a condition standpoint, he's pointed to a, a better effort and he has um, speed figures that can win the race. So that's a pretty good combination 
as it looks like, let's see, the one, two, three, four, the fifth betting choice in the race, since it's a small field, he's only five to one on the morning line. But as the fifth betting choice, he's probably value in horizontal plays and, you know, possibly uh, even in the vertical place um, if he floats up a little bit. So I'm leaning to the six horse Arthur's Hope. Well, I did see that. I did notice that there's so little pace in here that whoever gets the lead has a, a really good shot. And Arthur's Hope is one of the few that's actually won on the lead. The The only reason I don't like him, when he ran that big race at Parks, it was uh, a, a big, big number on the sheets. And that was four races ago. He hasn't done anything since then. He hasn't even finished uh, in the money since that race. It was a big number, and it was as a five-year-old. And um, generally, when I see a big top as a five-year-old, the horse is shot. I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting to see that ever again. So as much as I like the idea of him being on the lead and having that advantage, I think I, I, I couldn't go with him. Like, to me, he's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like him. Um, but but I like your angle. I just, even, even given that, I still don't like the, um, I just don't like the pattern on the horse. And that number at parks also came up big on buyer it was the one race where he ran a hundred buyer. So, um, so, so unfortunately I, I can't, I can't be with you on this one, but I, I get it. I get the I get the angle. I actually really don't like this race at all. I, I hate the race, and I will not bet it. But if you were going to play it in a contest, I would be interested in Celtic Chaos. And the reason is because he's uh, he's circling back to a top that may win the race. And his last race was like a complete toss in the slop. He was on a dead rail. He... It didn't look like he was really in it to win it. And so I think that's going to inflate his value. So he's going to be at least 10 to 1. Now, he is a dead closer in a race without any pace, and he's carrying high weight. So I wouldn't recommend that you bet on this horse. But if I was in a contest, say, like on horse tourneys or something like that, uh, he is a potential price play just because I don't really like any of the other horses. So... So Celtic Chaos, if you can throw out his last race, which I, I can because it was on the slop on a dead rail, uh, I think he'll run well. I just don't know if he'll run well enough to win carrying that extra five pounds that he's carrying over, say, Arthur's Hope. Um, good. I You brought up a couple of things I think are worth talking about just for future reference for the listeners as opposed to necessarily this race. But first of all, about this is about Arthur's Hope. But I did want to kind of concur with you on Celtic Chaos. I, I like that horse as well. I don't think the race shape really fits him. I think he will be closing and definitely a good chance to hit the board. But he'll, he'll need, a, I don't know, some. I just don't see how the race unfolds in a way that he can win. Um, I think 10 to 1 is, might be optimistic just because he's trained by Brad Cox. Um, not often do you see, you know, his horses go off at a big price, but maybe. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of with you there. If I had to pick a horse after Arthur's Hope, it probably would be Celtic Chaos, but um, I'm a little hesitant to, like you said, to, to bet him to win in this race. 
But one thing I wanted to point out on Arthur's Hope, which I think is a, a really good thing to talk about a bit, is you know you said that um, he really hasn't done much since his big race at Parks, and I don't expect him to run back to that number. I agree with you. He'll never race. He'll ne- probably never get another 100 buyer. But I don't think he needs a hundred buyer. I think his his other he has some other races that are fast enough to win in here. So I'm I think you made a good point as a five year old, when they pop a big race like that, you probably don't want to play him to get back to it. That's that's a good point to make, and I agree with that. Um, and if he had to get back to that to win, I wouldn't be as um, enthusiastic about playing him. But I think he could win um, with something his second best effort in here. So that's one point I just wanted to kind of build on that you had made. The other is you said like his last few races haven't been very good. And if you look at the final time figures, you're right. But this is where like a, a tool like Timeform US is really useful because if you look at his, his last two races from a pace perspective, he's run much faster early than he ever has in his life. You know, basically he's run a top in, a, in the early fractions. Um, which to me tells you the horse is feeling good and, and, and fit, but it's from a fitness standpoint, he might not be there, especially on his race off the bench. And the second off the layoff, he caught the dead rail on a day where he was on the inside, but he still ran really fast early. In fact, he ran so fast um, that in, in time form US, his, his performance figures for his last two races were the best of his life other than that race at Parks. Um, he was like, they gave, they bumped his rating up by um, eight points in both of his last two races um, because he ran um, so fast early. And his last race, they had the track, as you know, as a, a closer bias, uh, an outside bias. So to me, his last race may be the best race of his life where he ran his fastest pace he's run against a bias and still held on for fourth. Um, you know, to me, that's a buried good effort. And so from a condition standpoint, I don't think he looks bad at all. Um, uh, and so that a lot of times that form can be hidden within the race and the final time figure doesn't tell the whole story. So especially off a layoff, a lot of times horses will tire at the end because they're not fit. But if they show, you know, the same sort of speed or even faster than they ever have run early, that's telling you that they are in uh, feeling good they're just not dead fit but that race might get them the tightener that they need you know to run a really big race next time out so i think that's just worth pointing out that arthur's hopes condition is you know his current form is probably better than it looks if you're just looking at the final time and that's where it helps to kind of dig in and look at some of the pace numbers and a, a tool like Timeform us gives you that um, information that you don't see just looking at final time figures. Well, those are very valid points, and I see it. I'm looking at time form right now, and I see those figures. They're pretty darn fast <clears throat> for him. And the last time he ran really fast early fractions like he did in his last race was back in January of last year uh, on the mud. And he ran a clunker. And then his next race, he won. <clears throat> he was only four to one, but that was the best race of his life up to that point at Aqueduct. So, so uh, 
you know, your your points are noted, and I I I would not take you off the horse, and I also think that he might drift up. He might actually be higher than five to one. So in which case, the he he's a viable candidate. Uh, I I'm gonna still stick with my Celtic hope, but. Uh, I respect your opinion, and if uh, anybody out there likes this horse, I think you've just given them more reasons to like the horse. Yeah, and, and even if this horse doesn't run, I just think that angle of of looking at the internal fractions sometimes can help you identify how well a horse is doing and and how fit it is. Um, you know, sometimes you want to that that's the value of looking at more than just the final time figure. That's a great example of where it can really help you um, understand more about the horse's recent performances than you get just from the final time figure. Yeah, one thing that's interesting about Arthur's Hope, and this is, I this is in the context of Timeform US. The final eighth of his last race was thirteen fifty four, but I always use the Timeform adjusted fractions because it makes sense, right? If you're going to have speed figures that are adjusted based on track condition, then you should also have fractions that are adjusted. And his time form final fraction in his last race was 1288 adjusted after setting that very hot pace or not, he didn't set the pace, but he ran very fast for him. So that's another reason to like the horse. And that was against the bias. You know, he had been running on a bad part of the track the whole race too, so. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, another dead rail horse. So, uh, all right, well, we spent a lot of time on a race that we neither of us like that much, but uh, if anybody else is out there and is playing this aqueduct race, hopefully we gave you something good there. Next race that we'll do is the eighth at Gulfstream Park. It's the Marshua's River, a mile and a sixteenth on the turf, purse of one hundred fifty thousand for fillies and mares, four year olds and up. I guess I'll start this one. I think the two favorites here are pretty tough: Andina Del Sur and Sweet By and By. I think if you're playing any pick end, you have to include them, and you have to include them both. But if you are looking for a price, the horse that's interesting to me is Marubra, who's trained by, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, sorry, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me. Oh, sorry, I was on mute, so I couldn't help you out. Um, DeVoe? <laughs> yeah, Girl, Sherry DeVoe. DeVoe. Yeah. Sherry, Sherry DeVoe. Yeah, so, so this trainer, is she used to be an assistant to Chad Brown, and she's really come alive. She started out slow, but she's really come alive and she's been hitting at 23% in her last 90 days with a 312 ROI. And to me, that bodes well for a horse that I think uh, sets up for a potentially big improvement. The reason why I like this horse, are, are, there are multiple reasons to like the horse. I don't know if she can beat Andina Del Sur. I don't know if she can beat Sweet By and By. If you really like those two horses, then I would put her underneath in an exacta and, and maybe in a try. But um, there are things to like about her. She First of all, her last race is a complete toss. It was on yielding. 
and she doesn't like yielding. She's proven again and again that she doesn't like yielding her good. And her best races in Europe were on a firm course. So, so she's, she returned her, her two race two races ago, which was on a good track. It's still not her best. It's still not the firm course that she wants was her best race in the U S and it showed a small improvement on her three-year-old form. So if you toss that last race, then you look at her, she's got two and a half months since her last race, since her last good race, her, her like breakthrough as a four-year-old. I think she could improve a lot here and she gets a little bit of weight from the two favorites. The, uh, her best workout came right before her last race, which was a toss because of the yielding. So I think she's she's ready to run the race of her life. Will it be better, good enough to 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 catch Andana del Sur or sweep by and by? I'm not sure, but I would absolutely include her in pick pick ends. And I would also, you know, there's a good chance I'll bet it if if she's a, still a sweet price. Uh, there's a good chance I'll bet it with Andina del Sur and sweep by and by to do some exact action there. Well, I pretty much see the race exactly like you said. I think the favorites are very strong. The only horse I could make a case for would be the same horse that you're on. And I do concur that trainer is very good. She doesn't have a big stable, but I would never hesitate to play her horses. The one interesting thing, I think, the reason I'm a little more interested in her is the, the change in riders. I think Paco Lopez tends to be pretty aggressive um, early on. I think He'll put this horse into the race early, and that might she might really respond to that. Um, and if she does, like you said, she could be ready to break through. She'll have to really improve off of what she's been running to win if the other two run their race. But, you know, of any of the others, this is a really weak field. I mean, the rest of them all are pretty slow for a graded stakes. Um, she's the one that you can maybe make a case for as having a shot, so... I think you and I are pretty much exactly um, locked in on this race. All right. Well, we won't dwell on the race then in that case. We'll move on to the next one, which is the 10th at Gulfstream, the Tropical Turf Stakes, a mile on the turf for $100,000 for four-year-olds and up. What do you think here? Well, this is probably, from a handicapping perspective, the most interesting race um, that we'll talk about today. Again, um, this looks like a race that the pace should cook up early. There's plenty of speed. And because of that, I'm really against the favorite, the eight horse, a thread of blue. Uh, he's had many races where he's really had uh, um, a pretty favorable pace set up. And I don't think he's going to get that today. I just don't see him winning. So if he really goes off as a favor, I think you just toss him, play against him. Um, you probably have to play against the other speed horses in here, the the um, seven horse Jim Untier and the five uh, the four horse Kidu. Um, but uh, so I mean, you're looking for a closer in here. I do the four horse though. I that horse I've been want, wanting to play because it's been catching these races that are just full of speed or they've been trying to sprint the horse. And I don't think it has the speed to sprint. 
Um, I think it can win a route on the front end, but it just keeps catching these races where it's chock full of speed, which is really unusual, um, especially when it was running in New York. So I think if it does, if the speed horses, it's the one that's the most dangerous. And if it can ever catch a route race where it's not in a, a race with another um, sort of need the lead type, uh, that horse definitely can get the job done. But again, it's seven to two. It's probably worth just tossing. You just hope that they do cook up on the front end. Um, they don't, the jockeys don't try to get real um, tricky. And that should set up for a closer. And to me, um, there's some really live long shots in here, um, but there's one kind of obvious horse that's hard to, to get past, and that's um, the nine horse Exulting, who was facing much tougher in his last race. Didn't run great, but it wasn't that bad. And he didn't get any pace to run at in that race and to you know now he sort of drops in class in terms of the competition he's he's going to get a, a much better setup and if he just runs his normal race he's just better than these horses so at six to one if that morning line actually holds up uh it's really hard not to kind of gravitate towards him but there are two really live bigger prices in here and i'm just gonna name one and then turn it back over to you because you may be on the other and i don't want to completely steal your thunder on the race um but i had it down down to two long shots um i'm not sure which one i like the most i'm kind of seesawing back and forth um but the one that i like maybe a little more than the other is the extreme outside horse sand dancer who um is running second off a layoff. His last was clearly just a prep. It was a sprint race. Um, I think it should be ready to run a big race here. It's a really good closer. Um, other than exulting, it's probably got the best finishing kick in the field, which is why I'm giving it sort of the edge. Um, and, you know, it should be sitting on a big race. Uh, the race shape should fit the horse. Uh, even though it's got an outside post, I think it's going to drop back. I'm not in love with the rider. Um, that's one of the negatives. Um, but I think that horse is very solid. And there's another one I like just about as much or maybe as much. But I will um, wait and see who you like. And um, if you don't talk about that horse, I'll bring him up. All right. Well, I'm guessing that the horse you're talking about is Gunnison. Am I correct? Yeah, that, that's the horse. All right. All right. Well, um, I, I like the horse that you picked. Um, I like sand dancer. I think the horse has a shot. Uh, I don't like the post and I don't know. Do, do you think exulting is the most likely winner? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think he's the most likely winner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I do not think he's the most likely winner. I think I don't like him either. He does. He somehow he managed to get a good number on turf, but he's not a, really a turf horse. He doesn't have the breeding. He's over five on the turf. I, I, I just I I can't see him doing it. I can see him clunking up there to get second or third, but I can't see him winning. And so I think he's no value at six to one. Uh, but granted, he he if he runs his best number on turf, then he he will be tough. Um, I do like Gunnison a lot here, and I'm actually going to be betting the race. So let's see what are all my reasons. Well, first of all, he's second off a layoff. In that race that he came off the layoff, he matched his best number 
and uh, it was his best number on the sheets and his best number on buyer. And the, the number that was his best previously was as a young three-year-old. So he has a certain amount of upside. And in his last, he was not only against a speed flow, but he checked on the first turn because he got obstructed by a, a rank horse. He closed well and he galloped out best. So now he's going to get a, a clearly a, a much better pace setup. And he's got a, a solid post in the in the five hole. I have trip notes on it, like the two races that he ran that are very good as a three-year-old. I have trip notes on those that like how impressive they were. And uh, after those races, he ran two bad races and I'm not sure what happened, but whatever happened, it caused a year layoff. So, so I think that his last race indicated that his troubles are over. He's back into form. The trainer's best ROI is second off a layoff. Uh, to me, this is a, a major win play for me. Uh, I'm going to tap the table. Uh, it, it, it's much better. This, the, pro, the prospects of this horse compared to Maruba are so much better than Maruba, and he's going to be at least 20 to 1. So, so this is a, sort of a, a pound the table. you gotta, you got to include this horse and also put some win money on it. Well, I agree. I, I like that horse a lot. Um, I agree with you there. Um, I don't get your hate for exulting. Um, I, I think the horse is going to be right there and more than likely win the race. Um, his breeding, there's no, no reason his breeding's fine for turf. His best turf uh, race wasn't that far long ago, and it would just lay over this field. So I don't quite understand why you're so negative on that horse. But um, I definitely agree with you on Gunnison. I think Sand Dancer's right there with him. Um, those are the two value plays and ex exulting at six to one as well. I mean, those are the three horses that you have a really good chance of um, getting the exact out of those three. The only horse I think you really have to worry about unless jockeys do something strange um, on the front runners is uh, the two horse Maraud who, you know, kind of fits in here too. Um, but uh, you know, the, doesn't have the greatest of trainer changes but does have a good post and and the horse will probably get a good trip and he fits but you know to me this is a race where you definitely should be playing in the verticals as well as the you know the horizontals this is a good betting race yeah my i i just i think exulting is a dirt horse um and he's two for 12 on the faster he's three for seven on a, a wet track He's 0 for 5 on turf. Um, you know, next time he gets on dirt, that's when I want this horse. All right. So we're now going to swing to the other part of the country, Santa Anita in California. We'll start with the third race. It's only a five-horse field. That's why it's the third race. It's the Las Cienegas. It's five and a half furlongs on the turf purse of 100,000 for fillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. I guess it's my turn on this race. I don't really like this race, but I do think Storm the Hill is going to win it, and he's 9-5 to five morning line. I think if he's above even money, then he's it's a gift. I think this horse is he's fast, he's in form, 
He ran his best race. He matched his best race three races ago. He's circling back to that. He's clearly faster than these. The only question is this other horse that's coming from South America. Is he that good? Is he that good that he can win a five and a half furlong race uh, a year off a year layoff? I'm guessing no. So I actually be surprised if he is favored. But yeah, that's a that's about all I have to say on this race. Um, Storm the Hill looks like he's going to run, and I only wish that he were running against better competition so that I would get a price. Um, if he's over even money, he might be worth a win bet. That's what I'm thinking about him. Um, first of all, these are all fillies and mares, so don't insult Storm the Hill. Wait, did I did I say he? Yeah, you you've been calling her a he, but that's oh. okay. <laughs> that's a that's a a sure pod <laughs> jinx right there. And when you pick a horse and you get the um, sex wrong, that's usually a, a killer from a karma standpoint. Yeah, Storm the Hill uh, just seems like a masculine name. But it does. Right. Sounds like you're like you're charging up the hill with Teddy Roosevelt. So, uh, so this is interesting because this is a this is the first race I think where we really see it differently. Um, I agree with you, Storm the Hill at going down the hill. If it was storming down the hill at Santa Anita, absolute standout in here. But cutting back to five and a half furlongs. Um, I just don't know if she can get there um, in a small field without, um, you know, a lot of, there's only, there's not clear cut um, standout speed. I just think this horse will have a tough time getting there at the distance, but I do think it'll, she'll get bet. Um, and like I said, if this was down the hill, this horse would be a killer at five and a half furlongs. I think she's vulnerable. Uh, and you did mention that that Lauren Shippen, who's six to five on the morning line, getting all sorts of buzz. Um, that horse will get pounded. So those two are going to get, you know, really pounded on the windows. And the and the the, the Brazilian horse is it from Brazil? Yeah. Um, you know, even that horse has never gone five and a half furlongs, and it's trained by Richard Mandel. It's coming off a layoff. This is its first start in the Northern Hemisphere. Probably a prep. I mean, I, you got to think they spent some money on this horse by Drosselmeyer out of a Trampolino mare. So this horse is bred to go long. This is a prep. That doesn't mean it can't win. But they didn't buy this horse and bring it to the United States to run in five and a half furlong sprints at Santa Anita. So I think they have bigger plans for this horse. Uh, it's really bred to go longer. It's never gone this um, short so those two I think are very vulnerable just because of the distance um, in a small field it's really hard to find value the only time you can do it is when you have one or two horses that are just going to get pounded like these two and in that situation you can get some values sometimes the value is really in the horizontals because if you can find someone other than those two horses to play in the horizontals, like the pick five, let's say the early pick five here, um, you know, 95 plus percent of the money is going to flow through those two horses. People aren't going to want to go more than one or two deep in this race. So if you can find a horse other than those two, you've got tremendous value. You're getting like 50 to one plus on any horse you can get in the horizontals. Um, 
where in the wind pool, even, you know, the third or fourth choice might only be six or eight to one. So this is a race where if you can go deeper, there's a lot of value. And I think there is a horse where you, that you can go on, and that is the six-horse free cover, who I actually like quite a bit. Five-horse. Five um, oh, the five-horse. That's right. Yeah. Six-horse definitely will not win this race. Um, <laughs> that, that's a, a lock-solid um, for sure. Yeah, the five-horse free cover. I'm sorry. Thanks for the correction. Um, another bad karma move on my part. I think we're killing ourselves on this race. Um, this horse has never been on the turf, but it's it's got turf breeding. Uh, not great turf breeding, but certainly good enough to handle the switch. And I, I don't worry as much about breeding on the sprints going five or five and a half. Um, but this horse has really good speed, and it has dirt speed, and I've talked about how I think dirt speed usually can outdo turf speed. And its last three races, this is kind of going back to the, the Arthur's Hope um, monologue. Uh, its last three races have all been at seven furlongs, and it's all been in very tough races where it was unable to get the lead and the paces were very fast. Last time out, it ran in you know, the grade one La Brea against Bellafina and Mother Mother and Hard Not to Love. And they went really fast early. And this horse chased the pace and stuck for, you know, four or five furlongs. And then they just got tired and they didn't push her at the end. But her early pace figures were just heads and tails above anything she'd run before. In fact, she, they, she earned a 160 time form U.S. pace figure for the first call. That's just insane. So um, even though she ran dead last, she actually ran a pretty good race. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a good race, but she ran a good race at least for the first four or five furlongs. And now she's cutting back to the five and a half furlong distance in a race where she will either get the lead or she'll be able to track the two-horse Canton Road in a race that doesn't look like it's going to be in a fast early pace. And if you go back to in that race, again, she was tracking – an insane pace and you know she couldn't get the lead and she got tired at the end and they didn't persevere with her but her last two races are much better than the, the final time figures would indicate and um, prior to that she ran a, a third to Kafefi and Bell's the one and then prior to that she won a race by six lengths and if you look at the distances she runs um, on sprinting uh, she Anytime she's routed, she's done really poorly. But anytime she's ran less than seven furlongs, she's hit the board in all five of those starts and won three. And now she's cutting all the way back to five and a half in a race without a lot of speed. She doesn't have to face, you know, fast dirt horses like Bellafina. And um, she draws a outside all the field. And they go to this rider, Fuentes. He's not a bad rider, and he and the and the trainer are clicking at 24%. So I think he should give the horse exactly the ride it needs. It either will break on the lead or break second, and I think it will be on the lead when they turn for home and could easily out finish the field and win at a big price, or maybe not a really big price, 6-1 to one in the morning line, but they could, even in the wind pools here, go crazy on Storm the Hill and, and Jolie Olympica and um, maybe float up to eight or 10 to one. But certainly, you know, I'm going to be looking at 
the surrounding races just because in the double pools or pick three or pick four or pick five, you know, this horse is going to be a big price. You know, there's a lot of value if you can beat those two favorites in here. So, you know, I'm kind of, of all the horses on the card, this is one I, I think is really interesting and playable um, uh, at Santa Anita today or tomorrow. I like it. I like it. You've made a believer out of me. Uh, the only question is turf, but it's five and a half furlongs. So even if she doesn't relish the, the, the surface, she can run, she can run fast. And, um, you know, when, if, a, if a horse doesn't really like turf, that's going to be more indicated in longer races, like seven furlongs and longer or six and a half even and longer. So I would, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing as far as uh, handicapping the, the rest of the Santa Anita card, but I like your idea of including this horse in the horizontals. You've sort of made a believer out of me and uh, I thought that was a really good analysis and, um, you know, yeah. Uh, like if I do play an early pick five, I will absolutely include that horse. Uh, another horse that's kind of interesting is an Eddie surprise. Now I'd have to watch the race to see like how he finished, how she finished, <laughs> uh, how she finished in that race. But it was only a week ago, but Doug O'Neill hits at 21% when he wheels horses back within 11 days. So, so I, I think, you know, that, that horse's uh, last race was not only a winning race, but I think that she appreciated getting back to sprinting and she started out as a sprinter. If you look at her past performances, she ran all sprints as a, uh, all the way through her three-year-old year. And then they stretched her out and she continued to improve as a four-year-old, which makes me think, well, maybe she getting back to uh, a, a preferred sprint distance for her, she might actually uh, fire here on short rest and she could also blow up the pick five or any other pick end. So, so, so that's another one to, to take a look at. Um, and I know we've already talked, you know, basically I've recommended three of the five horses. So it's uh, maybe not that helpful, but uh, certainly everybody should take a second look at both an Eddie surprise and free cover. Yeah. I mean, this is a sort of race where, if you can get past those top two in horizontal plays, you're going to be all by yourself in the pools. Um, or at least there won't be a crowded, it won't be crowded on that end of the pool, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a really good strategy and it's a good way to think about it. I did love storm the hill. So, uh, you know, I, I can't toss the horse. Uh, I still think she's the most likely winner, but I agree with you that, your horse outside free cover should be used um, in the event that if she does win, it could could ignite the payoffs. All right, we'll go to our last race then at Santa Anita, the eighth race. It's the La Canada Stakes, a mile and a sixteenth on dirt, purse of two hundred thousand. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I'm not real excited about the race because I think uh, it's a really weak field and the two 
our favorites. Well, I guess actually, the the favorite Spice Perfection definitely strong in here, but not invincible, but strong. Uh, to me, Horologist is the clearly the the other horse that's most likely to win. Those are two I think stand out above the rest. And she's actually four to one the morning line, and and uh, that's like there's like five horses that are at that odds or lower. So morning line's pretty flat in here. So if that is true, and she's not you know the favor or second choice, maybe Horologist um, is could become playable, but. Uh, you know, to me, that's the horse I'm the most interested in. But this is a race I'm I'm probably not going to bet. But if I had to pick a horse, it would be Horologist. Um, I'm not against Spice Perfection, but um, you know, those two horses to me are clearly the ones to beat. There are a couple Baffert horses in here um, that may get bet and don't, to me, look particularly strong, but. Um, you know, they're, it's not like they're going to be four to five or anything like that. So I just don't see a lot of value in here. And I probably just would have to go with Horologist, who I think I picked before on the pod. Um, uh, and it's won some races at a price before, but uh, just not real excited about this race. Well, I'm going to share your lack of enthusiasm. I'm not interested in betting this race. I do think that Spice Perfection is vulnerable going two turns a mile and 16th her her one race at that distance was her worst race as a three-year-old uh so so if you are looking to beat her or if you're in a contest um i think she's vulnerable and and i also think horologist is also vulnerable and is likely to be bet more than uh, she should be based on the trainer change as well as some some flashy past figs so I'm just going to give you two horses that I'm interested in, but probably not betting. And uh, I'll make my official pick because it could happen. My official pick will be Star Quality, who has run almost as fast as these in the past and is now circling back to her top. And this is her third race off a layoff, and the trainer shows a positive ROI third off a layoff. Now, she is a little speculative, and even if she runs her best race ever, she still might get third, but she's 15 to one. She's going to be at least 15 to one and she's got some back numbers. So if you're looking for a price and this is later in the day, it may be one of the later contest races on one of these contest sites. I think that's a horse that uh, deserves a second look. Uh, the other horse that I'm kind of interested in is Dur Lu. It's a Baffert horse. Uh, she's four to one morning line. I would think, based on her speed figures, that she'd be higher than four to one. I mean, much higher than four to one, because I, I can't see her being four to one versus Spice Perfection. So I think that I'm guessing that the morning line's wrong. She's actually going to be much higher than four to one, like six to one or maybe eight to one. But if she is eight to one, then she she kind of interests me because she's she's running her four-year-old debut. She ran fast in her very first race as a two-year-old. Uh, you know, price does dictate everything here, but there's a chance since there are two Bafferts and one of them is coming off a nine-length win that she's the one that gets ignored. So so I would just ask, uh, recommend that people take a second look at that one. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, of the two Bafferts, that's probably the one I would like too. But I, I just, I usually don't spend a lot of time trying to convince myself to play a Baffert horse at Santa Anita because it's not very often that you get value. But maybe with hey, two hey, of them in there. Hey, remember Roadster? Remember that's we were true. we yeah. we spent like five minutes talking about like like whether he was going to be a price or not, and he went off at nine to one in the Malibu. Yeah, that was and good. got second. So. Yeah, and he ran a good second. Um, so yeah, it could happen. Um, so I wouldn't talk you off that one. All all the other horses, if I had to play one, just if I had to put two dollars on a horse um, in this race, yeah, star of quality would probably be it because it is the one that will be a price. And I think after the two that we, you know, Spice Perfection Horologist, it has as good a chance as any. So, you know, if I was going to go with one other than that, that's who I'd go with. But this is a race I'll probably be passing. Um, I just don't like it. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of like the aqueduct race. So not the greatest series of races here. This is the reason why on Public Handicapper, our contest would be called the Winter of Our Discontent because the racing isn't quite as good. But even in this, uh, uh, just, you know, even on a day like this, I, I do think, you know, the race uh, at Gulfstream, the more wide open race with Exulting and Gunnison and um, I'm trying to remember the name of the other horse I liked in there. Sand um, Dancer. Yeah, Sand Dancer. You know, that's definitely a playable race. And, and I, I like, uh, free cover and the third, you know, at Santa Anita, the Las Sanaga. And, um, also I'm, you know, I'm kind of like Arthur's hope. I, I tried to make the case for him in the eighth. It kind of depends on the price, but, um, you know, to me, he could float up a gun above his odds. So those three races, I I'll, I'll be looking at, um, how to play. I might be able to play those three. Um, so three out of five is not bad. Um, they weren't like great, super comp complex races to handicap because of the small fields in some cases. But sometimes those small fields um, can provide some opportunity. Um, if you can get past a couple of real obvious favorites, you can, you can, you know, even in a contest, I've been in contests where I've gotten, you know, 15 or 20 to one shot in a five or six horse field just because they hammer the favorite down to two to five or three to five. And all of a sudden, every other horse in the race is a price. And um, if that favorite stumbles or, you know, is just over bet, uh, you can end up making a score. Yeah. And Storm the Hill starting on it's that five and a half furlong start on the dirt is kind of weird. I feel like the, you know, the results are anything could happen because of that weird um, surface change. You, you never know horses, you know, some horses are just going to run on anything, but some horses that, that, you know, they're, they're, they can, they can overthink things. They can get spooked by shadows. Um, that, that is another reason why storm of the hill may not run that well. Uh, you know, on the inside where there's some speed and um, starting on that dirt course uh, you know, there's some vulnerability there. I, I do still think she's the most likely winner, but um, but now that we've discussed these races, I'm I'm a little bit more interested in them, and um, should be a, a good day of racing tomorrow. Yeah, just to clarify, because some of the listeners might not know what you mean. At Santa Anita, they they tried to because they couldn't run down the hill. 
and they wanted to try to run farther than five furlongs, they, they run a five and a half furlong race that actually starts on the dirt and then for the very beginning of the race and then crosses into the main track. And so you're saying the race actually starts on the dirt. So they actually start, I don't remember how long they run in the dirt, but they actually do go into the starting gate in the dirt and then they end up running most of the race on the turf. So it is a yeah. little bit quirky. Yeah, I think it is only a, you know, a few dozen yards, but it's enough that, you know, I, I can see a horse being a little confused and uh, I can see it affecting the, a performance. And if Storm, I mean, I, I can't imagine that Storm the Hill is only nine to five against this field coming off of two grade one races. Um, you know, so that they, they probably will pound storm the hill and, 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 and that uh, Brazilian wonder horse. So again, uh, that could lead to some opportunity with the other horses. Let's hope so uh, because there's slim pickings. <laughs> so let's hope maybe that one of that small field, that five horse field at first glance, you'd think, oh, there's no way this is a playable race. Maybe it will be. All right. Uh, any anything else out there that you've uh, looked at and you like? Uh, not really. I haven't really looked at much else. I probably will look at the Tampa card because I, I've always liked playing Tampa, and I really haven't started looking at those races yet this year. And um, the weather is supposed to be good this weekend, so that's probably the other track I'll take a look at um, besides the ones we've talked about today. Okay. Uh, now you know that we start and end the show with the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. And I was at the show in December. I was at the live show and talking to the guys in the band and thanking them profusely for allowing us to use their music on the show for free with no royalty. And the keyboardist said, Hey, why don't you take a bunch of CDs and sell them on your podcast? Right? Like, and and I said, yeah, okay, cool. That, you know, some people might still want CDs. I don't know. And then, and then like, then he got busy and, you know, things were crazy. So like, I didn't want to bother him later. Um, but I will be seeing those guys again pretty soon. So my question to our listeners, and you can answer this on Twitter, uh, that's if you've gotten this far in the show uh, it, would you have an interest in buying a CD for the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout? Cause I don't want to get the CDs and, and not, you know, and, and not sell them. Um, you can get all this stuff on iTunes, but they barely make any money off iTunes. So that's why they'd rather sell CDs. So if you would have an interest in doing that, uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. And on Twitter, you're at Carsoni PH. And I'm at Derby1592. And I, I, I find it hard to believe that people don't know that already, but they might not. So, so you could have you. new listeners who never aren't, aren't Twitter people. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so check us out on Twitter. That will wrap up show number 47 of the PH Pod. Good luck in your betting. Cash well and cash often. And we'll finish it up with the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout. Cheers. Giddy up.